0: You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Brunswick, Maine. Show summaries are available at lovemaineradio.com. Here are some highlights from this week's program.
1: It was really kind of timing that I I stumbled upon hypnosis. Um, A friend of mine had just mentioned in passing that he had just seen a hypnotherapist and it really was like a light bulb went on. It made perfect sense.
2: I didn't need to go back and dig up my childhood. I, I, you know, I know where I am at this point and that was, I think that's the the thing that cancer takes away, you know, that sense of who who you are. This is Dr. Lisa Belial
3: and you're listening to Love, Main Radio, show number 249, Hypnosis and Health, airing for the first time on Sunday, June 26th, 2016. How does our mind impact our health? Significantly, it turns out. While many afflictions such as disease or genetic disorders are beyond our control, some things are well within our power to change. Today we speak with Maggie Clement, a former attorney who now helps clients with issues such as insomnia, anxiety, and addiction using hypnosis. We also discuss the hypnosis experience with breast cancer survivor Susan Johnston. Thank you for joining us.
0: Love, Main Radio is brought to you by Berlin City Honda, where the car buying experience is all about easy. After all, life is complicated enough, and buying a car shouldn't be. That's why the Berlin City Honda team goes the extra mile by pre-discounting all their vehicles and focus their efforts on being open, honest, and all about getting you on the road. In fact, Berlin City recently won the 2015 Women's Choice Award, a strong testimony to their ability to deliver a different kind of car buying experience. Berlin City Honda of Portland, easy, It's how buying a car should be. Go to BerlinCityHondaMe.com for more information.
3: As a physician who's been doing work in the mind-body field pretty much all of her career, I really enjoy spending time talking to people who um, have similar interests. This individual is Maggie Clement, who is a lifelong resident of the greater Portland area and thoroughly enjoys all that Maine has to offer. She is a consulting hypnotist certified in both standard and complementary medical hypnotism. She is also a certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, also called NLP, and is a member in good standing in the National Guild of Hypnotists. The oldest and largest hypnotism organization of its kind. She holds a BA from the University of Maine at Orono and a JD from the University of Maine School of Law. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So I have to lead with the thing that most people are probably um, interested in and that is you have a law degree
1: (laughs) and now you do hypnosis. Mm -hmm. It seems like a stretch. It's a uh, pretty much polar opposites. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I practiced law for several years, and um, and it just, uh, well, first of all, I think um, there are those out there who uh, really need to love what they do, and those for whom it doesn't matter quite as much, uh, and I am um, the former. <laughs> uh, and so I, I really um, I really enjoyed a lot about practicing law, but it really wasn't where my heart was. Uh, And so um, I decided to stop practicing and uh, then just started searching for something else that I could do. (laughs) This did not pop into my mind (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Well, tell
3: me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about sort of the journey from, I know you grew up in Falmouth, Mm -hmm. sort of the journey from being a Falmouthite and <laughs> to
1: being where you are now, doing the work that you do. Mm. That's a big nutshell. Um, so, um, yeah, grew up in Falmouth and um, went to college, went my first year at University of Delaware. I, I went there specifically because I had a very good physical therapy program and decided that uh, I didn't want my course studies to be quite that rigid. And so, um, so I just did a general um, all over... Education, just just liberal arts, I guess, and came back to Maine. I graduated from University of Maine at Orono, um, and then took some time off. I uh, when I graduated from Orono, it was really, really the recession was in in full swing here. And uh, rather than take a production job, nothing against that, but it wasn't where I wanted to go. Um, I decided to drive out west, and so I I drove out to Colorado not really knowing what was there but figuring it was probably better than what was here Um, and so I worked there for a couple years and and loved it out there it was beautiful but growing up on the water I really really missed the water obviously Um, so I came back and had various positions I worked for a title company uh, I worked for a radio station um, and I just sort of got to that point where I I wanted to do more and I, I felt like I, I kept hitting a level where I, I couldn't do more with whatever position it was. And so, so then I thought I needed additional education. And so then I tried to figure out what that might be. And I ended up going to law school um, with the idea that, really not specifically intending to be a lawyer. I know that sounds horrible to a lot. But uh, at the time, um, that kind of education would really... Sort of elevate you and allow you to do more in whatever organization you became a part of. So, um, so I went to law school and um, practiced law um, for for several years, and just found that um, that it just wasn't it wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, I had always really had an interest um, in the mind body connection, um, very interested in nutrition, and kind of fascinated by how uh... amazing the human body is um, probably should have gone <laughs> that direction a little earlier but I didn't wasn't there um, so when I stopped practicing law I sort of just thought what do I want to do now and originally I thought well let's get into you know program management or human resources something like that and by the time I had finished stopped practicing law um, there are degrees in human resources. There are degrees in project management, and so so it really wasn't the best fit. Um, and so I finally decided to to do what I was really really interested in, and um, I had no idea. I I'd, I had never even been to a stage so I didn't know anything about hypnosis. Um, I looked into things like uh, massage therapy, and I looked into well, Reiki is is great in a lot of ways. It was a little bit too nebulous for me coming out of coming out of practicing law. Um, And so I know from personal experience that oftentimes you can experience discomfort in your body and uh, it's not necessarily organic, it's not necessarily physical. Um, Oftentimes thoughts and experiences can harbor themselves in your body. Um, And so it was really kind of timing that I, that I stumbled upon hypnosis. Um, A friend of mine had just mentioned in passing that he had just seen a hypnotherapist and it really was like a light bulb went on it made perfect sense just perfect sense so um, so then I got trained and uh, I've been doing that really ever since
3: which is mm, heading on around
1: both seven years almost seven yeah. years yeah yeah, yeah.
3: so mm. how have you found people in the community as far as being accepting or coming to you
1: for services? You know, it's, it's um, I'm, sure, I'm sure in the beginning there were those in my family who were concerned <laughs> that I would be doing this full time, but really it's, it's kind of blossomed. Um, I find that this is a really nice community be- to be in and word of mouth is great. And, um, and I, I've found, you know, people sort of, most people get it. When they come they they want to help themselves they're they're stuck or they're you know they just they just need a little push um, to to get where they want to go and that's really I, I kind of help people get unstuck primarily
3: well tell me about that tell me about I think most people do have this idea of stage hypnosis where I don't know you have somebody come up and you make them bark like a dog and everybody in the audience laughs laughs and that's all great but I know that practitioners refer patients to you and people self refer for things like insomnia and anxiety Mm. and addiction so there is something that's very the the power of suggestion the power of one's own mind is very strong it's incredible
1: it really is and that's one of the one of the things that I like about this work so much is that when people get how powerful they are when they when you know I I basically consider myself a coach or a facilitator and um, when they begin to use those tools um they really they really sort of empower themselves um and it's interesting I think you know, from seeing stage shows or the movies or you know Svengali's or whatever it is, I think uh, oftentimes people think it's an overnight thing. And for some, for some people, it is the timing is right and it can be really just one session. For most people, it's it's a practice. You know, you've got you've got nerve pathways in your brain that correspond to whatever behavior is happening, and in order to establish a different one, you've got to practice. You've got to repeat and reinforce, and that's a really important part of it. It's not a sort of a, a one-shot deal. So You know, I I say that sometimes it has been, because timing is right and people are ready.
3: When someone first contacts you and you sit down and have a a consultation with them, what are the types of things that
1: you explore with them? Well, you know, I think, um, generally speaking, the first session that I have with anyone, I. it's it's a good deal of information gathering for me. We do talk a little bit about hypnosis and what it is and what it isn't. Um, we talk more specifically about their issue and what they'd like to see happen, uh, and and then we have a session. So um, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, I've had I've had clients who come in. I mean, most of us have <laughs> four or five or more things that we'd like to change about ourselves. And sometimes people come in with a certain idea of, of how they'd like to change when the real issue is actually something else. And it takes just kind of digging into that to, to find out, oh, that's the problem. You know, it's not this other thing that is maybe more obvious. So, um, you know, I ask a little bit about family history. It's not always necessary to do that. Um, but mostly sort of what their life looks like. You know, and and how they go about their days, and and how they perceive whatever it is that's bothering them, because um, often, often I I and I mention this to them too. It's it's sort of like stepping back outside of yourself and taking a few paces to the right or the left, and just changing your perspective and seeing what it looks like from a different point of view. Sometimes that's enough, actually.
3: And the. Uh,
1: Hypnosis process itself. Tell me what that's like. Well, um, so when we begin the session, um, there's so many different techniques in in hypnosis. Um, we'll choose. Let's let's just say with progressive relaxation, something like that. I use that. I use some guided imagery. So so there is a period in the beginning where I usually have people just focus on their breathing. Um, it's a good thing to get into the habit of doing anyway. And then we just do kind of a, a relaxation, and that's, that's called the induction stage of, uh, of the hypnotic process. Um, so you know, we just do, there are different ways to even do progressive relaxation. There's mental pro- progressive relaxation, there's physical progressive relaxation, um, but we just sort of go down through the body. and The idea and, and the truth really is that when your body relaxes, your mind relaxes a little bit, and, vi- and vice, v- vice versa so um, it just eases them into this very relaxed state and and really, and I tell them, their only job really is just to follow my instructions and, and to use their imagination really to strongly imagine that what I suggest is very real because that's really what hypnosis is. It's it's a focused state of attention which is them following my voice coupled with a greater receptivity to to suggestions and imagery. Is
3: there ever any loss of control? I think that's one thing people fear.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, no, there isn't. There, there really isn't. The the client is in control the entire time. Um, and I, I, I even tell them, too, that they can emerge from that relaxed state anytime they want to, but nobody ever does. <laughs> so, yeah, always in control. The way that I came to
3: first know you is that um, We're writing an article about you and about hypnosis for May magazine, so I spoke with Dr. Ingrid Martin, Mm -hmm. and she said the most uh, Striking thing for her was when she referred a patient over for smoking long long time smoker and this person came back and said When I finished the session, it wasn't as if I thought to myself. Oh, I can stop smoking. It was I am not a smoker, hmm. which is such an interesting mind shift because the, what we generally think of with addiction is it's something that we have to push away from ourselves. It's something separate from ourselves as opposed to it does become somewhat of our identity. So if you shift right. your identity, right. then it's just not there anymore.
1: It's, it's really true. It's, it's amazing. Um, and, and one thing probably my mantra and clients maybe get sick of me saying it but I probably won't ever stop saying it but but your body is always gonna follow the thoughts that are held in your mind always without fail and so whether you're thinking positively or negatively or whether you're thinking you're a smoker or you're a non-smoker whether you're thinking you're overweight or underweight whether you're thinking you're calm or you are are ner- nervous or anxious your body's gonna lead you in that direction and so much of, of what, what we do the the traditional approach it's sort of a corollary to that and then they've done studies on this too but your mind doesn't really register negatives, it kind of goes to the operative in any sentence that you tell yourself, so if you're saying you know, I just don't want to smoke anymore, just hear smoke right? I don't want to feel this way anymore, you've already conjured the feeling by the time you know, you're saying that to yourself, so really really important for people to be focused on, on what they do want and to be repeating and reinforcing that because your body will make that happen too that's that's probably the biggest the biggest shift um, that I think my clients learn.
3: There is some real work involved in what you do, some real work within sessions, and oftentimes work outside of sessions as well, because this repatterning is not like it happens overnight. That's right.
1: That's right. Exactly. And you know, I find that really depends upon the issue. Um, you know, oftentimes oftentimes um, there can be just one thing I say and because someone has for instance been wanting to stop smoking for a long time they're going over and over again in their mind and uh, there may just be one thing that I say that just really triggers it for them and and I have you know obviously had people with um, you know having just one session and they're just completely done with it some people aren't there and and that's part of you know I think I have kind of a, a permissive approach um, I usually suggest that people leave their expectations at the door as to how they're going to change, because everybody, you know, any smoker walks in and says, okay, I just want to never pick up another cigarette again, and, you know, okay, that might happen, and often it does, but it may, you know, may take more than that. You know, even if, if you smoke a pack less in a week, if you're a pack-a-day smoker, that's moving in the right direction. So, um Yeah it does it's it's all about repetition and reinforcement and you're right there are things there are things particularly um... you know the good thing about the only good thing about cigarettes is that they're completely unnecessary so once you're done with them you just (laughs) you just don't need them in your life right? and uh, other issues for instance if if people want to lose weight you kinda have to have a relationship with food you gotta come to a place where you're at peace with that so it usually takes a little bit longer but even after one session I find that people begin thinking about whatever the you know whatever their particular issue with food is they begin thinking about it a little bit differently.
3: And that's something that I, I think about all the time with my patients. And, and that is that if it's another sort of addiction, perhaps you can take yourself out of a situation where you won't be tempted to engage in that addiction. addiction. I mean, it's more complicated than that, obviously. But mm-hmm. at least there's that. Yes. At least you can start with that. Yes. But food, it's there. <laughs> it's you around you. <laughs> we we, we <laughs> have to have some, some form of it in right. order to sustain ourselves
1: as right. beings.
3: Right, And that's challenging. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, and everybody's so different. and And I usually suggest, you know with 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 those clients that you know find the way of eating that works for you. It doesn't really matter what works for such and such. Maybe such and such is gluten-free, or maybe you know somebody doesn't do dairy. I know all that stuff is, is you know there are certain perspectives on what we should and shouldn't eat, but it really is what works best for that client's body, how they feel. And so we focus more on that.
3: What type of work do you do at the Cancer Community Center? I know this is
1: something you've engaged in yeah. in quite a while. Yeah, yeah, I have. Well, I um, I have a class there every Thursday. It's called Meditative Hypnosis and um, it's a group session, uh, usually anywhere from six people on the low end to you know, 15 to 18 on the high end. Um, and, and really that's a that's a relaxation session that's just a general relaxation session and we all really need that um because the way life is right now we we w- from my perspective we really have to actively take time to calm ourselves to allow our bodies and minds to communicate a little bit and um that's what that session is about and so i use some progressive relaxation i use some some guided imagery there and for some participants you know it's just sort of a chance to kind of just escape you know just go somewhere else somewhere nice you know a peaceful place that kind of thing during the session um... for others i mean i think we're just learning more and more about or maybe it's always been there but our immune system is just so affected by stress. And to the extent you can reduce and take time for yourself, you really can help boost your own immune system, which of course is pretty, pretty important in that environment. You also do work with the
3: Maine Medical Center Integrative Medicine Program, mm-hmm. which has yes. been around for, I think,
1: somewhere around 10 years now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me about that. Well, that's, I guess, that's an opportunity for me to. Um, to show the residents and fellows in that program um, what hypnosis is all about so they can know more about it I think there's just such huge benefit that can be derived from using hypnosis um, for them with patients, for me I call them clients um, and I just provide that service for them so that they they know what it's like as opposed to sort of speculating. Most people don't really know much about hypnosis what they know about it is is generally what they've seen in stage shows or that type of thing, so it's just an opportunity for those who um, who choose it to just come have a session with me or ask me about you know how how I approach clients and and different issues that kind of thing
3: and do you find that these because these are essentially relatively new and sometimes young mm-hmm. doctors mm-hmm. who are um, training in most of them, family medicine,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and do you find that they're open to what you have to offer?
1: I do, I do. I think, I think for some, it's something that um, that they never would have considered, really. And just having the experience allows them to to know. There are some who are more open than others, of course. Um, but it's generally speaking, I think more and more um, is becoming a part of of how. Hope, I hope it becomes a part of how a physician will treat uh, licensed medical professional, I should say, um, whether it's you know mental health or, or physical health. Um, I hope it becomes a part of how they sort of approach approach their patients. You believe
3: that there are some people who can do a certain type of work, and whatever that is, it's, it's fine. And for you, you needed to find the type of work that really resonated. Right. I think there are people who are listening who really will, will really, mm, I, I don't know, understand exactly what you're saying because there are many people out there who kind of feel like they they show up and they do what, what they're, quote, <laughs> supposed to do. Right. Um, but it may not fit exactly who they are. Mm. How did you get over that hump yourself? There's certainly a mind-body thing that, <laughs> I mean, if you have you have been trained as an attorney <laughs> yes. so you have the ability to go make money and probably pretty good money right how did you get to that place where you said I really need to do something that falls exactly within my
1: wheelhouse yeah um, <coughs> well you know I just I I just took a look at how I felt on a daily basis um, and um I practiced law long enough to know you know whether it was something that I wanted to to do more of, and I just found that you know I tried different areas of the law uh, I worked for firms, I worked for myself um and i just it just wasn't working for me it just wasn't and it um you know that that gut feeling was was uh getting in the way, <laughs> and so it it from my perspective, it just needed to happen and so um, the good thing is that I think I've never really cared too. I, I think it's a good thing. I've never cared too much about what things look like, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, and so it wasn't I it it felt so right to be doing hypnosis that it it didn't really, you know, I, it didn't really matter what other people thought. I felt like I was on the right track then.
3: Well, it's been interesting to learn more about the work that you do and also kind of see the mind that you have and the choices that you've made. When I brought my daughter Sophie when we came to talk to you, and she's 15, so she was like, I don't know if I believe in this hypnosis stuff. <laughs> you know, the way that she had it out there was, I think, a common misconception that, yeah. that you know, hypnosis yes. is this weirdo fringe stuff that, we, that you right. know, it, and then she met you, and it was very. I think it really kind of shifted the way that she
1: oh, saw the practice of it. That's great. That's. I'm. I'm glad. I'm really glad she came along. Yeah. And it. You know, most people do, as I said, have this certain idea of what it is. But, you know, the hypnotic state. Is, is such a natural state of mind we all go into and out of lots and so you know I often ask people if they've experienced hypnosis before and most people will say no um, but if you've ever enjoyed a movie or if you've ever enjoyed a good book you have experienced hypnosis once again a focused state of attention coupled with a greater receptivity to suggestion you know with the movies you gotta be willing to you know buy into what the art the artists are wanting you to know, wanting you to believe and what I love about that is, that is that your body reflects that. You know, when we go to the movies, we feel scared, we feel sad, we, it makes us cry. It creates physiological change in our body. It's not even happening to us. So I just love that. That's, that's the power of imagination and of the mind. So, yeah, I'm glad she came along.
3: Me too. I, I love introducing skeptical people to things that uh, open yeah. their minds somewhat, right. especially my children. <laughs> I find that especially hmm. joyful. Hmm. What does that say? Hmm. That's a whole other show that I guess we could yeah. have. But uh, Maggie, how can people find out about the work that you do?
1: Well, um, my website is www.portlandmainhypnosis.com. Um, feel free to sit in on a session at the Cancer Community Center. It's generally for those who, you know, most of us know someone in our lives who have gone through that. Um, so um, yeah, and call 2078076270.
3: I do encourage people to learn more about the work that you do and also learn about you in particular, because I know that um, this type of field is very specific to the practitioner. Mm, so I think very much. I think it's it's worthwhile if, if you're if you're listening and you have been wondering whether this might be helpful to you, it probably will be in some way. It's yeah. possibly worth the exploration of it. So right. we've been speaking to Maggie Clement, who is a uh, consulting hypnotist certified in both standard and complementary medical hypnotism and a former attorney, multi- <laughs> fa- multifaceted individual. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Experienced chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room. Maine seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants The Front Room, The Grill Room, and The Corner Room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor. Watch lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information visit theroomsportland.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is Portland's largest gallery and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting work of contemporary Maine artists and we also host a series of monthly solo shows in our newly expanded space. The current show schedule includes Eric Hopkins, Matthew Russ, Jane Damon, William Crosby, and Ruth Hamill to name a few. Please visit our website for complete show details at artcollectormaine.com
3: for me when um, worlds kind of come together in interesting ways this next individual that i'm speaking with is susan johnston who has retired from many successful businesses ranging from decorative pillows and maternity clothes to show horses and custom homes susan says i'm 70 years old a wife mother and grandmother and just trying to live in the moment and Susan also happens to be the mother-in-law of a former guest of mine, Dr. Sam, who came in to talk about libraries. So as I said, everything kind of comes around. And Susan's also featured in an upcoming main Magazine article on hypnosis, which we are writing about Maggie Clement. And she is a client of Maggie Clement. Thanks for coming in and talking to me today. Well, you're very welcome. Susan, you and I share something that perhaps it would be better not to have shared, and that is breast cancer. Your form of breast cancer was more advanced than mine, and, um, and for that I'm grateful for myself, but more sad for you. But it seems like you actually, you're on the other side of it now. You're, I think, a couple years out. I am. It will be two years, Memorial Day weekend. And oh, yeah. part of what you and I talked about before you came on the air was the fact that hypnosis helped you through this interesting stage that cancer patients often go through at the end of their, um, at the end of their treatment.
2: Yes. I I don't really have, I don't think there's a name for it. I think that it's just when you finish treatment, everyone's like, great, you've finished, and now you can get on with your life. And it's not so easy. I found, I don't know about you, but I, I found that I was really frightened because no one was watching me all the time anymore. You know, when you're in treatment, everybody is paying attention to every little thing, the slightest bump or or, or change in your blood work or anything. And then you're out there, and it's like, well, what do I do now? And I found that really difficult, and I had lost touch with the confident person that I was before all this happened, and um, that was really hard. And then I found my way to Maggie, and that helped.
3: Well, so let's let's talk about a little bit also the fact that you, when you found out you had breast cancer, you were feeling great.
2: I was. I don't know about you, but that's one of the strange things, and I've talked to lots of people that that's happened to. I was playing tennis four or five days a week. I just felt great, loving my life, and uh, was having breakfast and um, reached around to scratch a place on the side, and I felt it. And I instantly knew what it was, and but I felt that I suddenly, this glass sphere sprang up around me, and I was inside it, and the rest of the world was on the other side of it. And I couldn't even tell my husband. He was sitting across the the table for me, reading the paper. And, it, and that was, was a Saturday morning, and it was not until Monday that I was able to tell him what I thought was happening. Uh, and I felt so isolated. And I think that I don't know if other people go through that, but to be on the inside of that. And then everything is like a tornado after that. You know, you go to see the doctor, and the next thing you know, it's a whirlwind, and it's surgery, and chemo, and radiation, and, and you're the focus of everything. You're the eye of the hurricane, so to speak. And then you kind of come out on the other side. And it's like a void. It's like everything just stops. Uh so, you know, and, and the thing that's uh, surprising to me, and I, but I think this is happening more now, is People, the medical profession, I think, is becoming aware of this, that women need help. Maybe not just women, all cancer patients, I think, need help, or anyone who goes through a serious illness needs help on the other end of that. And uh, there's not much um, provision for that, I think, in the medical world right now, which leaves patients sort of on their own. How, how do, what do you do? And, the you know, oh, people are like, oh, isn't this great? You can just get on with your life. Well, what's my life, right, at that point? What's your life? Where do you go? You can't just go back to where you were, you know, right? So what do you do? How do you move on, I guess is the question. It's interesting. I went to a luncheon yesterday for my tennis group, and I, and I looked around the table. There are about 20 of us, I guess. I, I could count the women with me. The survivors there, well, on either side of me, was one, and I thought, and nobody was really talking about it. But I thought, gee, everybody, I guess, is getting on in their own ways. But um, maybe there should be some kind of A support group. Doesn't fit the bill, I think. You know, I could, I didn't want to go back to the support group I was in. It was too painful, sort of. So, what do, you, how do you move on? That's the question. That's my question.
3: And you had something very specific that was happening to you physically as a result of going through the cancer. And it wasn't cancer
2: pain. It was that you couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I I had nightmares. I had terrible nightmares. And I had nightmares when I was young and then never again. And I really thought of myself as a pretty happy person. And um, then I began to have these nightmares, serious nightmares, yelling in my sleep, waking my husband up. Um, And... I asked him, he said, I can't hear what you're saying. I I can hear it, but I can't understand it. But it sounds like you're arguing. What are you doing? And then I realized that sort of gave me a handle to think about it. And then I was arguing with death. And it was a very visual. It was the typical tall figure in a dark robe with a hood standing by the door or by the window. And we were debating. And I was saying no. No no, you can't have me. And worst case, also my daughter came down with breast cancer, and I said, you can't have her, and you can't, you know. And so a lot of it were, the strange thing was biblical language, which is really strange. I don't get into this, but I, I'm not practicing anything at the moment in terms of religion, and and one time my husband uh, woke up, and I woke up, and I said to him, "Did you? Did I just say thou hast taken my brother?" And he said, "Yes." <laughs> and I thought, well, Because my brother has had died some years ago." And I thought, "Okay, this is really getting way out there." And so I stopped sleeping. I would—I really didn't. I would wake up, and I couldn't go back to sleep. I was afraid and very anxious. And then I saw Maggie. That's what drove me to see Maggie. Really, was that I was exhausted. And um, missing my sense of self and calmness. So she really helped with that. Mm. You
3: you found out about
2: Maggie through your daughter. and I did. And, I did. and through your son-in-law. And my husband. And your husband. also, they had all seen her. The whole family had all seen her for all different things. My husband had AFib. Everybody had different issues. And um, I said, well, she's... Done wonders for everybody. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But you know, I'd I'd meditated in the past, and I'm open to all all kinds of alternative stuff. And I thought, well, nothing else is happening. I'm not taking sleeping pills, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be a zombie. So I went to see Maggie, and in two sessions, she gave me the tools that I needed to to deal with it. She's wonderful. She's a, a very good listener which I think is a big part of what she does. I've never been hypnotized by anyone else, so I don't know. But I, th- I think you have to listen to what the person is saying because in hypnosis, I, I don't think – it's not like what we think it's going to be where they can make you do something that would go against who you are. They just – she was able to listen to me and and use – my strengths really which I had lost touch with to find them again that's that's what she did she helped me find them again um she gave me some specific things I felt very relaxed afterwards her office is really cozy and you feel safe and protected which is so trust you can trust her and um and I began I went home after the first session and I slept for 10 hours and I thought, okay, this is it. <laughs> this is like... And then I started... And then I told my oncologist about it, and they took her name, and, you know... So um, I think she could help a lot of people. So and you also
3: good. continue to use techniques that she gave you if, when you have, you know, difficulty sleeping.
2: I do. Sometimes, you know, for various reasons why you can't sleep are, are not all bad. Sometimes I'm excited. I've played a good match or something. And I, but, you know, here it is, 11 o'clock, and I'm going to have to pick the kids up t- from school tomorrow, and I know I need some sleep. So I use the techniques to go to sleep um, that she, she did with me, and I think that they're great too. You know, sometimes you just need to go to sleep, so yeah but it i don't really have the problems anymore i don't have the nightmares if i do have a nightmare um one of the things that she said to me was it's only 10 minutes you can have a bad dream it's 10 minutes long and then it's done and i thought yeah right you can do anything for 10 minutes you know so having been through everything i've been through 10 minutes is nothing so it's really it was really um helpful in that way but they i don't have them anymore you know so that's good. And if I do, I don't, I don't really talk in my sleep anymore. I mean, that whole period is over. So I, I think I, I, I credit Maggie with that. I don't know what would have happened otherwise. I mean, I was really unhappy. Um, and especially after you have cancer and everything you've been through, you think, well, now I should be happy that I'm better. That's the other part. You feel like, well, why aren't I happy? You know, that I've survived this. Right? I mean, we, we deserve to be happy, right? So how do you find that peace again? And it's hard. I'm, I don't know how you feel about it. But, you know, do you worry when you have a checkup? You know, do you get anxious? Of course. Yeah. So how you deal with the ongoing anxiety is another thing. So I use the same techniques that she gave me uh, to deal with that, too. So that all, it all goes together.
3: I think that you've said a lot of things that really resonate with me and with patients also that I've had that have come in to talk to me after cancer. And, and it it is the great thing about cancer these days is that in many cases it's curable
2: mm-hmm.
3: or at least treatable, and right. we have lives after cancer. And it used to be that that wasn't the case, that we didn't necessarily have lives after cancer. You know, you were lucky if you made it through. Right. But you, you do come out of it a changed person. You do, you do.
2: And I think that has to be acknowledged. And I, I don't think that is so much well, that's not fair. What usually that people will think and say and you're supposed to feel is, okay, now I've been through this near death experience, I'm I'm going to not waste any time, I'm going to find something meaningful, I'm going well, you know, that just puts a lot of pressure on you, too. You know, Sometimes I walk around thinking, Oh, I can't play solitaire. I can't read the paper. I can't just look at the ocean, which I love to do, which I used to do before. Why can't I do it now? You know? It's like, do you find that? You put this pressure, this inner pressure on yourself to have more meaning in your life. Well, your life already has meaning. If it has meaning to you, it has meaning. And you don't need to prove anything to anyone in any way, so when you find people will come up and they'll put the the, uh, the hand on the elbow. I don't know if you've experienced that, and you get the "how are you?" look, you know. Which I know they're chewing it because they care, but but I feel like, do you really want to know, or or I'm fine. There's the other thing, we, we don't want to alarm people anymore, you know, we don't want to worry anyone, and so then you say, oh, I'm just fine, even if you're not, and that's hard too, you know, so um, I know we talked, you know, a little bit about that, but it's, it's the pressures afterwards of how you're not the same person, so then where are you, you're But that's interesting. You can then be a different person. I guess you can reinvent yourself in any way you like. Yeah,
3: I I think that that's that's highly possible. I think that we're all, (laughs) all of us all the time are reinventing ourselves, whether we realize it or not. Right. And and it really struck me when I was talking to you that one of the things you liked about hypnotism is that you were actually at a pretty good place. You didn't really feel you had been... You didn't need to go through analysis. You didn't need therapy. Right. You know, it really was, there was Mm -hmm. some something that needed shifting in some imperceptible way
2: and that to help you sleep. Yes, I did yes, yes, I didn't need to go back and dig up my childhood. I, I you know, I know where I am at this point. And that was I think that's the the thing that cancer takes away, you know, that sense of you, of who you are, that security. I had worked through a ton of things as we all do and strive to do. Um, encounter groups and psychoanalysis and meditation and I'm an old hippie. I mean, you know, I won't go into too much detail there, but lots of that. And so uh, looking for all kinds of things. I mean, I guess I'm a seeker, and so I'm open to things. But I thought that I was there. So cancer was like, oh, really? You're really not, (laughs) I guess, afterwards. But maybe that's a good thing, you know. So um, it's interesting. I had lupus for 40 years. So, which didn't get diagnosed until I was in my thirties, but I really got sick when I was nineteen. And now, one of the you know, there's a couple advantages to getting old. You know, your eyes get better, and you can get in the movies cheap, and and you go into remission with lupus. You know, that's a really good thing. Um, But I had thought when I got cancer, I thought, oh, I know how to do this. I know how to to be a patient. And I know how to rely on my own immune system to fight this and all those things because my prognosis with lupus wasn't good, and yet I completely, I did great. And uh, so I thought, I can do this. But, you know, it wasn't the same, and it was really hard um, to, to, to figure out how to do it afterwards. Um, and Maggie, and the hypnosis I find is so helpful with everything because I've seen her for a couple of other things. I even went to see her about how to make my tennis game better because we take all of our things onto the court with us, you know. And she gave me a couple of really good tips, which were helpful, and I'm using those as well. Look out, my next match. But (laughs) But, um, I... what do you think about how how what can be done for patients, you know, after cancer? What's a better way to treat people? You're a you're a survivor too, so how did you wanna be treated after? I know this is turning it on the no, interview really. on you, but really, really it's sort of radio a-
3: show now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question because I think that it so depends upon the patient, mm-hmm. the, the person. Right. You know, I've noticed mm-hmm. that some people really want to put it behind them and other people right. really want to acknowledge it and it depends on where they are. Mm-hmm. And, and so I really, I think personally, I don't know that there was any amount of preparation somebody could have done with me to... Help me understand that I that things will have shifted by the end of the treatment, but it would have been nice to know that things would come up that I hadn't even thought about.
2: <laughs> but I don't know how
3: you prepare somebody for
2: that, I, right? Because I think those things are different for each person, really. You know? Yeah. So, I know I I felt that I should volunteer. Right. I should. I should go to the Cancer Community Center, which is a f- wonderful place because it really helped me to be in support groups, and I should do that. And I brought it up at one of the meetings that I wasn't doing and that I felt guilty about it, and I loved the facilitator. She said, no, you don't. nobody says you have to do any of that. You know, some people, it helps them to really be in the cancer world. And some people, it's it's not a helpful thing. She says, and for you, I think you need to just go and do other things and, and then see how you feel about it. Um, and now that it's a little more time between it and me, I am thinking, well, I do want to do some volunteer work, but not necessarily in the cancer world, I think. Um, I don't know that it would be helpful. But maybe it would. I don't know. how. To, maybe I'd have to try and see. I don't know. And I think
3: that that's kind of the key is that it's whatever works best for you as the individual. Exactly. And so that's the interesting yeah. challenge is, yeah. like, how do we offer more to survivors in general, but then people who specific individuals, you know, mm-hmm. what works best for Yeah. each individual person? I mean, it's an—I I think, you know, and I know that I— I know your daughter was in her early 40s when she was diagnosed mm-hmm. and from what I understand you were going through genetic counseling. Yes. And yeah. I guess she was kind of brought in and they said, you really need to get this additional screening. Exactly. And yeah. she had no symptoms, she had no nothing. No. And, and she ended up, it was fortunate that she mm-hmm. had because yeah. the screening because she did yeah. end up having cancer yeah. in her early 40s. Yes. And for me as a parent, if I had a child going through cancer, I, I don't I don't know how this was for you, but I think that would have been,
2: I don't know, like the next level up. It is. And I think those were some of my arguments were you can have me, but you can't have her. And, you know, I feel like I've lived my life. She has young children. You know, there's justice in this world, you know, so so I made... Deals. <laughs> I think in my dreams I was I was making deals, and uh, you know it's ridiculous, of course, because we have no control. That's part of the thing that's so difficult is that we have no control. So um, I, I think uh, for, for some people don't think of life that way. I do. I I, I really thought of myself as making choices and um, being in the moment and knowing what was going on, and then it's like you know, just. You don't, right? Suddenly this thing has taken over. You have no idea why. How could this be? I've led a healthy lifestyle. I eat organic food. I do all the things I'm supposed to do. I exercise and everything. How could it be me? I don't smoke. You know, how could I get this? And I think um, that's really hard. We're hard on ourselves. We maybe need to be kinder to ourselves when things like that happen. You know, not, uh, not feel like your body's let you down which I think is really how I felt. And Maggie helped me a lot with that. I thought, I've worked all these years on my immune system. That's with lupus, that's what you do. You know, and I did lots of visualization and I always knew what I could tell my rheumatologist what my antibody test would be. I knew what was happening all the time. How could I not know this? And that uh, lack of trust in your own body, that's a hard thing to deal with for me if you're the kind of person that I am. Um, I think that was the hardest thing, that I could, didn't feel that I trusted myself anymore and I had lost my who I was. My identity was all tied up in that. Um, maybe I just needed to lose that slightly superior attitude that I might have had about it. <laughs> so maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, you know, I was pretty cocky. But... <laughs> Having survived and done what I'd done, and I don't feel that way now. Let me tell you, I you know I've none of that because it can happen to anyone, anytime, anywhere, and um, there's sort of no protection against that. But that's part of life. I mean, you know, the old saying: you get hit by a bus, right? So you know, so um, you might as well go on and being in the mo- i mean to me the hardest and most important thing to was to get back to being in the moment not worrying what's going to happen a year from now because who knows anyway and so i feel like i've arrived back at that and that's that's a, that's that was an achievement and the maggie really helped with that um, i don't know i don't think i could have done it without her i was in a real spiral and she just got me to stop Breathe, and recognize what I really already knew about myself, and and then it was there again. So, so it's good.
3: And that's so an important good. thing because I, you know, as a physician, that the what I have to offer people when it comes to things like. Arguing with death in one's dreams—you know—that's <laughs> just not something we get a lot of in medical school.
2: <laughs> right. So, if somebody comes in and tells you that, how do you respond? Yeah.
3: yeah. You respond? So I think
2: that I'll too. tell you how my my team all responded. They just hugged me, which made me feel really good, and um, they uh, they were great about it. And when I would have a specific worry, like uh oh, I you know I have this cough, I must have lung cancer, they'd say, well, you could get an X-ray, and then we'll know, you know. And then I'd go get the X-ray, and, and, and before I would be pulling out of the parking lot from the X-ray, I, my cell phone would ring, and they'd say, nope, you're fine. <laughs> so they supported me through the kind of crazy period where you really feel like every little thing is 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 wrong, you know, it's something, it's back. Um, But, and that was great. And they try to think of ways all the time um, to, to make it better, to make it easier. So I had a lot of support there. So they were great too. But um, it's amazing. One day on the tennis court, I was kind of emotional because I had lost a good friend to to breast cancer. And and I I just stopped playing, and I said, I have to tell you that I'm emotional today. And I didn't even know these women. It was a match, and it turned out that all four of us were survivors. So we just had a big group hug, and then we just (laughs) went back to play. (laughs) And I thought, this is strange. This is really strange, but... um, you know, there we were. So it was good. Interesting experiences like that happen routinely, you know. You meet people. So sort of that knowing look or something, you know. So do you find that too? Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah.
3: There are very few things in my life I uh, consider to be um, accidental, so. And I say this as a doctor. I meet the, the interesting patient at just the right time, you know. I have the interesting guest at just the right time. I absolutely think that's true.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're open to that, you just start down a different path. I mean, that's what happens. You know, those chance encounters, I think, sometimes make a big difference.
3: Yeah, I think so. that's true. Sometimes we think that we need know what we need, but sometimes we need something that
2: mm-hmm.
3: we don't even know about. <laughs> right. And sometimes it's provided for us. Right. Not, not to get too woo-woo, but, you know. No, no. I, <laughs> right. But that's the way it seems to be. Right. Right. Well, this is a conversation I feel like we could continue on for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And you and I had a broad-ranging conversation before you even came on the air, and so I feel really blessed by that and blessed by the fact that you were willing to come in. I appreciate your your openness and your honesty about this and this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to whether it's cancer or another serious illness and something that we don't get to hear about very much mm-hmm. so it's nice to know that you know there are potentially answers for this you know there are things that you know people could try that might actually work in cases like this yes yeah. and as a doctor I really appreciate your this kind of insight because you're right that in the way that things are set up now medically, we deal with the acute issues and then once something is kind of over and we've you know, you're on your way, you know, unless something else happens that's more physical, we don't necessarily have people come back in again to talk to us about these things. Mm-hmm. So, that's helpful. Yeah,
2: yeah it, I remember my rheumatologist the first time uh, I saw him, after many years of not being diagnosed with lupus and and he said this is not like a broken arm he said you we are a team now and you have to tell me what's going on inside you and that's the only way we're really going to know and we'll work on it together and I thought and this was a long time ago so it was 40 years ago and uh that that's that's a great doctor, <laughs> you know. So, so I I experienced that, and I guess I was looking for that always the rest of the time too. It's like it's not just the doctor fixing me. It's it's you have to be a team. You have to participate, and you have to look for what's going to help you too. You know, Absolutely. Whether it's cancer or or a broken bone, you know, you really have to have to channel your own resources whatever they may be so hypnosis can help
3: (laughs) i think that i I would love to be able to just get that little sound bite and play it over and over and over again for every single person who comes in who wants to be working with me on their health because i think that's absolutely true i think it really is a team effort and i really think that it comes Mm -hmm. so much more from, from one's own inner strength and resources than maybe people realize
2: yeah exactly
3: yeah We've been speaking with Susan Johnston, who is a client of Maggie Clement. She's retired from many successful businesses, ranging from decorative pillows and maternity clothing to show horses and custom homes, and also an avid tennis player. And I wish you all the best with your tennis and also (laughs) with all of your other many endeavors. Um, I appreciate your coming in today. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Love, Main Radio, show number 249, Hypnosis and Health. Our guests have included Maggie Clement and Susan Johnston. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Also, read about Maggie Clement and Susan Johnston in the July issue of Maine Magazine. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Maine Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see my running, travel, food, and wellness photos as Bountiful1 on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love, Maine Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love, Maine Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belisle. I hope that you have enjoyed our hypnosis and health show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life.
0: Love, Maine Radio is made possible with the support of Berlin City Honda, The Rooms by Harding Lee Smith, Maine Magazine, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music have been provided by Spencer Albert. Our editorial producer is Kelly Chase. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Susan Grisanti, and Dr. Lisa Belial. For more information on our host's production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at LoveMainRadio.com.